your weekly Selk Grassroots podcast, brought to you by the Down to Play app. Welcome back to the sort of meet the referee almost on this Goldie Lockdowns uh, adventure, the second uh, part that we're doing now. Uh, again, we're joined by Adam. We're really grateful for his time this evening. Um, what I what I think is really really important that we now go into is is that we start to talk about the nonverbal communication side as we now look at the second part of the clip, following on from from the first part we did yeah yesterday. Um, and I think that um, this is going to be a really really crucial thing. I think there's going to be an awful lot of lessons that we can take from this, so we can see that there's been a, a very tactically placed substitute who's come to basically be a nuisance. In his onesie. <laughs> and that must be Adam telling him to go back to servicing cars. Okay, so he's had those conversations. I think uh, one of the things I wanted to, to pull back, sorry, if I can just pull back just a second on, is that I thought that, um, I thought that this bit was absolutely terrific. We've talked about this. Is the fact that while you're sort of delivering that, You've got Kev there who's completely focused on watching that field of play for you. And and, and the way I thought it was um, sort of akin to was um, if, if you think about VAR at the top level now, when when the video assistant comes in the ear and says, look, you need to, you need whoever the referee is, you need to go over to the monitor. Both assistants are taking responsibility for each half of the pitch. And, and I think the same concept is in, is, in, is in play here. You've got, obviously you've got... Um, Kevin, who you're in dialogue with, but you've got your other assistant as well. You know who you you touched on when we were talking about it in the in the first part yesterday. You touched on the importance of your semi-active assistant, and he'll be managing his part of the pitch as well while you're in this corner. Because clearly, we can see your position here. You haven't got a, a great view because what your focus is is establishing the facts. So I think um, I think that that's a really really important thing, and it's great teamwork. And I hope you got credit for that. Yeah, even 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 though it looks like I'm I I'm I up Kev's rear end, I'm not. <laughs> it was Honestly. And, and Penners, um Anthony says, "Oh my God, look at his face when when he goes away." You must have really put yeah. him as play. Did you take? Was it a polite? Could you leave the area, please? We're having a conversation, or was it, mate? Mate, fuck off. Was it, it? What? What was it? It was. It was. I say that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck off, or it's the yellow card. That yeah, was was it legit? Was that what you said? Was it exactly so, what I said? That's that's exactly. my style as well. That's it. You can and he, he kind of was like, okay then, and and that was it. Maybe I'm too nice. <laughs> I'm obviously, I'm not, I'm not I'm smoking, swearing at players, oh, of course, but you know, I I did it the way I did it. It always worked for me. Yes, you shouldn't really swear at players. So the polite version is. Please, could you go away, or you may be cautioned. Textbook. But my way seemed to have the desired effect. He did. In fairness, I, I think you could probably come somewhere in between the two there and still get the, the desired outcome. So, so do you mean, please fuck off? No, I mean... Thing is, I don't know. The thing is, I can't see the wall there. I, I know they're laughing at me. I can't see the wall there. But what I'd be worried about is that basically 
the observer or somebody was maybe a little bit too close. Because on some rounds that have been... He's never going to be anywhere near there. He's going to be somewhere in the stand near the middle of the pitch. He's never going to hear down there. With with 800-plus supporters, he's not going to hear a word unless he's gone for his pie and chips and he's stood down there near the burger van. Yeah, and I think that that's probably something I fail to appreciate because I'm, I'm assuming, quite rightly, I think, that the majority of the supporters were behind you at this point. I, I mean, the, the crowd noise at this point was still, obviously, there was still quite a bit of crowd noise. Yeah. So pretty much the only person who could have really heard me would have been the assistant and the substitute. Yeah. No, yeah it's it's clear, I was going to say, it's clear you're not screaming at him, but you are, no. it's a firm, assertive, go away. Correct. Yeah. Now, interestingly, tonight there's a um, a Scottish player is being sent off. Honey, there's a clip on Twitter doing around Scottish player, and he, he he referee gives a foul and he does something, and it looks like he shouts whatever he do, he shouts to the referee. The referee do you mean? Does... Do you mean last night? This yeah, is that, last night. That was yesterday. That was yesterday. I mean. No, <laughs> I recorded it. I'm only watching it now. Fuck's sake. You fucked it. Listen, listen. Yeah, okay, okay. We do this on the same night. Make it look like it's tomorrow. Anyway, (laughs) he's done him. He's done him. He sent him off. He sent sent him off. And um, it's it's a nice little accidental clip here because uh, linked together because this ties in in a way I wasn't thought I was going to talk about in the Goldilocks bit. I personally wouldn't advise someone to deal with anything like that by telling them to fuck off. Penis has got the personality of it. And we've got to be mindful that we have got referees out there watching this. We've seen how many people watch these clips and you've got to be mindful that that isn't the Goldilocks way to deal with people. No, by them. It's not the right way to do it, Martin. Yeah, that's not blanket advice at all. You can't condone that as, the, as by the book. And when I was laughing, I wasn't laughing at you, Nathan. Anyone you think I was laughing at you because you're pulling up? I'm laughing at how blatant these are being about, about it. Now, I'll be honest, my other personality is different referee. I've done that. I've told, I, I did tell to, to people and I did swear at them. But it's it's the effectiveness of what you do. And sometimes that's the language of the of the individual. Sometimes you just don't listen to you. As soon as you say, hey, for fuck's sake, what are you doing? They sort of go, whoa. But then we've had incidents where, oh, I want that referee suspended yeah. because you swore at me. You get these players, and then it's a really tricky one to do. I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know if I've ever said this to you, Martin, and I don't know what your opinion about this on as a coach is. But when I first qualified, my mentor actually said to me, Nathan, he said, "You can say absolutely anything you want to say to the players, to the spectators, to any club officials. Just don't swear at them." Mm. That's that's that was the genuine the line, and I remember it so clearly. And I and I don't think I, I, anyone would have told Penners to do that early on in his career. I, I think as you go through and you get that confidence, you'll see. Remember just, what Penners said about knowing his players, knowing his players. He knew about the dropping zone. We talk about targets. It's something we haven't talked about on this blog about your targets of management. There's always targets of management from set pieces and stuff that we will talk about another time. Knowing your players is really important. There's probably players, Penners, that you know you could swear at. Every day of the week, nothing would happen. They'd swear back. The temperature would go down. Everyone wins. But there's others that you know they would lose their shit if you swore at them on a pitch. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I could I could name, which I won't, but I could name several players throughout my refereeing career who, at the start of my career, if you like, were probably the biggest pain in the ass on the pitch. 
Whereas come to my, the end of my career, some of those are real, are, have become really, really good friends and still are good friends now because some of those players, you know, sometimes the player who's the hardest work on the pitch, if he knows that he can have a bit of two-way banter with you and it is two-way and you both know where the line is, he, he, sometimes that's the only thing that works with that type of player. And come the end of the game, the amount of times I did a game where the biggest knobhead on the whole pitch at the end of the game was the first person to come and shake my hand and say, thanks, ref. At least I've got someone I can talk to today. We had a bit of two-way banter, da-da-da. So, yeah, don't get me wrong. There's other times when it's gone against me and I've said something like, you know, even something like I remember a player uh, appealing for uh, a, a corner. It was a goal kick and he appealed and I went, shut up. And he literally lost the plot because I told him to shut up. And it took me... I couldn't get him on side for the rest of that game. It probably took me as stupid as it sounds. I had to referee that team probably another four or five times before I got him back on board. So, yeah, it's, it's certainly... It's not advised. I don't condone it at all. Obviously, I was just a head case that did it my way. And luckily, it worked for me 90% of the time. But, yeah, certainly, don't, you, shouldn't, you shouldn't ever really be swearing at Thanks, Penners. I really appreciate you coming in with that because it, it is important when we have these people coming through. We've talked about how society changes. We, we talked about rent boy, people calling people rent boy, and then the N-word, and then we could be hypocritical saying, you know, we've evolved in language, but it's still perfectly okay to tell a player to fuck off. And I think we've just got to be mindful where we sit ourselves there. And when I want to just tie that in, Penners, a couple of things is, one, I remember clearly talking to you about a particular player who we're not going to mention, who always made your life hell Pain in the ass, covered in tattoos. And, and you, Adam, didn't you? He'd moved teams, hadn't he? And he'd yeah. gone, gone down to a that's team. What, seven, and we Pardon? That's exactly who I'm talking about. And I won't, I won't name names because he's now he's now a very, very good friend of mine. But the initials was JV. Yeah. And the only way you got into his psyche was by using the exact same language back that he was using to you, honey. And you were almost fronting him. And we had a long discussion about it. I remember talking about it a long time. It plays on my mind a little bit because it was the right thing to do for the right player in the right situation. So I couldn't knock you for having that language and that confrontation attitude with him. But it was just something I wanted to to to, to sort of clarify and, and just put, put in, in the picture because that just changed your whole relationship with him for the rest of your refereeing career, didn't it? Yeah. Well, if, if you remember, the, one of the first times I refereed him, we almost had a fight on the pitch, didn't we? Yeah, I remember it clearly, absolutely clearly, yeah. And it's, it's just an interesting involvement of player-referee relationship, whereas we know it's not good advice to swear at players. We know there's, there's going to be people out there who would never dream of swearing in a million years. But like we say about our toolboxes, and I know the FA will say, oh, my God, that's ridiculous, a charity shouldn't be advocating it. It's going to have to be in your toolbox at a time to pull out at the right time with the right player in the right game just to make sort of you personalise to say, for fuck's sake, really? People do respond to that positively. But I just wanted to be mindful of me because, you know, that was a brave move by you. And I just think referees make brave moves in inverted commas in games and in careers. And that was one of the ones you did that really worked for you. So, you know, I wanted to recognise that, mate. So thanks. But don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Yeah, it's not, it's not going to end up on the referee's course, that one. Anyway... If I'm going to move this forward a touch, because obviously I think it's really good that we've had that and we don't condone that. But I think one of the real sort of things which we, I think 
a lot of people who are watching this hopefully can use as a learning point is is that dialogue between yourself and Kevin Adam. Um, I, I wonder if you could give us a bit more of an insight into that before you ran away. Obviously, I've just I wound, I wound it back there just before we saw you running away. So if you give us some of the insight into the dialogue and, and some of the information that he gave you there and, and the way that he gave you that information as well for, for people who are operating as assistants to think about how they might communicate with officials under pressure like this. Yeah, so like I said, you know, as, as part of my pre-match in this game and moving forwards at that level and above, my pre-match was always, you know, yeah, when I got to 2A, we had the comms, the headsets, you could speak to each other. But obviously at this level, you don't have that. So if you've got buzzer flags, then like I said to people, they don't replace your standard signals, but they are an aid and you use them as an aid to help you. And this is a prime example of where, like I said last night, not today, last night, you know, when the goal was scored, as far as I was concerned, it was a goal, but the reaction of the defensive team told me something wasn't right. But what told me something definitely wasn't right was the fact that Kev had listened to my pre-match and he had his finger held on that buzzer and my arm was going absolutely berserk. So I knew he had information for me. It was just a case of deal with the fake injured player, get everyone out of the way and then go over to see him. So obviously when I've come over to Kev and almost got tripped up by the ball, thanks goalkeeper, you know, I already know that he's got some vital information for me. I already know that before I've got to him. So when I get to him, when I say, right then Kev, what have you got for me? Obviously, as we've already discussed, the first thing was to get rid of the sub because he doesn't need to be listening. So we get him to, to disappear politely. Um, and yeah, I know. And then, uh, I'm just black. The problem is I'm a salesman. I'll always sell and just blag my way through life, but it's worked. So Kev has then told me as the balls come across the goal, the player who scored has deliberately punched the ball into the back of the net. 100%. It's this player. Uh, it's a caution and disallow the goal. And that was basically what he said. And I said, thanks, Brilliant. Kev. Yeah. And I pretty much said, thanks, Kev. I didn't see that. You're a lifesaver. I'll go and sort it. And that's all you needed. You knew what your application of law was. You knew everything else. Just all you needed. Really clear, really concise. And it looks like he's already he's still got his finger on the frigging buzzer now, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, did you say, Kev, you can let go now, mate? <laughs> I, 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 I had to. I had to change the batteries after that game. <laughs> but I mean, one of the other things I always remember about you, Penn, is doing it. You know, you've always wore that respect sticking on your arm, didn't you? Yeah. There wasn't many referees at that level. I can't re ever remember seeing a referee at that level. You always wore that respect. Fair play. It was always something that stuck in my head about you. I didn't see any, any level other level threes or two Bs having that respect sticker on the arm. I know now they've got the EA Sports on at 2B and 2A, but I always I always respected that in you, that you had that respecting on you. It's something, even though we're talking about like swearing at players, you did, you you know, you didn't believe in, in, in that sort of relationship, didn't you? No, I mean, the, the thing is, the, the, the reason that I always wore it is because obviously it was there and we could wear it. And as we discussed last night, you know, I did a hell of a lot of work to get to that level and be fit enough to last 120 minutes, not 90 minutes. So I always made an absolute point of being close to play with a good angle so that as soon as something happened, if someone turned around to question it, 
I would be there to say, look where I am. And for me, that was what got me the respect, not wearing the badge. It was being close to play in a credible position all over it so that when it was questioned, I, was, I would literally be able to say to them, I'm stood here, look where I am. And that's what got me to where it got me, to be honest. Mm. Well, fair play, fair play. Nathan, are you going to play the bit and then... I am, yeah. The bit ...in the middle when he blows his whistle? Yeah. Before you play yeah. this, before what? you play it, just Everyone. to let you know, because Kev's given me such good information, what I've then said to him is, watch me now go and fuck this up. <laughs> <laughs> Interestingly, it was, a good, it was a good appointment from the FA because Kev was a very experienced level four, wasn't he? Oh, top lino, top lino. So he was, he was a good appointment for you. Another line I might have completely buggered out of for you. Have we, hang on a minute, have we, have we got any background music now? <laughs> when you've blown the whistle, you've sort of pointed towards the centre spot, which in universal language, particularly with a lot of people watching top-level football at the moment, it's particularly when VAR has happened and things like that, we know that it's, it's the, the prevalence of that, of that signal at the top level has grown over the past couple of seasons. And, and I think that actually, unfortunately, Ant and I, when we spoke about this initially, um, we, 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 also, we, we, we concurred that basically given a goal on first viewing. But oh, it's not unfortunate because when I blew that whistle, the whole crowd cheered thinking I'd awarded a bloody goal. Yeah. So you must have known instantaneously that that was the wrong signal to make. As soon as I did it and they cheered, I was like, oh, shit, because I'm going to upset you now. Yeah. <laughs> the other thing I wanted to, to touch on, um, and it was something that I'd, I'd, um, I'd, 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 I sort of promoted the, the concept of, and, and Martin and, and Ant agreed, was... Um, was just that that idea that actually, if you don't mind, I'll just pull it back just a touch, was that basically I was saying that potentially you could have conducted that uh, here when when you did it, because as you can see here, we've got nobody around here. There's nobody else here. So you could have brought them into a neutral space. I just wondered if when you were reflecting back on that, was that something that you also thought? Uh, yes and no. Okay. So reason being, yes, uh, it could have been done in a neutral area. So the reason it, I wasn't doing it there, where I'm stood now, is because if I call them over to me there, then the yellow players are suddenly going to be walking up the pitch. They're suddenly going to put in their two pennies worth and it could potentially look messy. So that's the reason. That's one reason why. The main reason why I go over to the players is because of the way I am, because I'm confident and my personality, I'm... As far as I'm concerned, I'm taking control of the situation. Is what's happening. I'm coming to you. I'm in charge. And this is how it is. That was my thought process at the mm -hmm. time. That was my natural instinct on how to deal with it. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, in terms of looking, looking back at it, obviously, afterwards, moving forward, and even looking back now, even though it's you know, several years ago now, this clip, you know, this is a prime example where don't, first thing is don't blow the whistle and point to the centre circle. Yeah. You're, you're in you're in big big trouble there so I think in this situation 
even I even thought at the time, you know, what if I what if I double blew the whistle instead? You know, double blow. But with a with a big crowd, some will still only hear the whistle and think goal. So I think this is a prime example of where the non-verbal communication, as I'm walking across the pitch at this moment, you know, you could even then sort of stop at this, stop here, stop a little bit towards the right-hand side of the semicircle. But as you're going over, giving almost, you're almost cutting the grass like this. So everybody looking in is going, oh, he's disallowed it. He's disallowed it. I know generally you cut the grass if it's a big penalty appeal and you need to sell the decision, you cut the grass. You know, I think this is a prime example where if I'm walking across the pitch here and cut grass, I think that would sell to enough people, oh, hang on a minute, this is disallowed. And you'd have more time as well, wouldn't you? Because obviously I'm looking here, you've got your left hand in your pocket and I'm I'm presuming that's where you keep the yellow card. yeah, I, I I didn't have an itch. That's where the yellow card is. <laughs> yeah. So, so so obviously, if you'd done that, you would have basically said there's not going to be a goal here, and then you could have started the caution procedure. Correct. Yeah. Totally correct. I see there. You've got the um, the the offending player and the the club captain, but you've also got a third correct. player there. Um, the 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 third player is just there. Uh, as an audience, the, all I'm really interested in here is the player who's obviously committed the offence and the captain who was uh, pretty much, to be fair, he was he was, he was was a bit of a live wire, mm. but anything that needed doing, if he was involved and he was there, he, as a referee in that game, and even moving forwards, he, you know what I mean, he always worked with me really, really well. So he needed to be there to help with me selling the decision, the number eight doesn't need to be there uh, whatsoever. And obviously the issue you've still got here is that, you know, the decision, even though it's been made, the decision has not been sold whatsoever. Yeah. And I just wanted to, to gauge what your yeah. conversation was uh, with the players just before the yellow card was produced because. Yeah. So, it, so it's, it's quite simply uh, look, uh, obviously the ball hit the back of the net. I didn't see an offence. Um, my assistant did see the ball being punched in to the back of the goal. Therefore, the goal is disallowed. It's a yellow card. Simple. So it's crucial that you mentioned there, it's a yellow card, because obviously you'll have seen in the preamble to this, we were all, including Martin, of the opinion that you hadn't effectively communicated. No, incorrect. I am so mouthy. I indicate everything. So when when I when I watched the first episode or yeah. two of this, and you mentioned about the guy looking up, mm. just be dopey because I told Matey that he was getting a yellow card. Yeah. The captain knew he was getting a yellow card as well. Right. Um, that was done verbally. I probably do everything I do is done verbally. So a hundred percent, he was told. So that was so that was just a case of him just wanting to have a look at you, the yellow card, really. Maybe he hadn't seen one for a game or two. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Do you mind if I I move this forward, gents? Yeah, go on. Because I I have got a question about this here, this moment here, where we see this. That's where I was going to link it to to what I asked you before about the neutral zone. I'm just wondering if you could potentially, because obviously he's, he's now aware that the, the, the Kevin's had an involvement in this decision-making process because it's him that he's made a beeline for. Yeah. I'm, I'm correctly assuming, I presume. Correct. So 
is, again, if, if you'd done that potentially in a in a more neutral zone, is that something that you maybe potentially could have cut out? I, I don't know. Yeah, got, yeah, yeah, definitely. But let me let me switch that over mm-hmm. and ask you a question. Yeah. If I'd have done this where you first suggested the other night and a minute ago, yeah, okay, how, yeah. Close, how close would these yeah, players no. be to the assistant? Yeah, it'd be closer. And I totally take that on board. Totally so, take that on board. Well, the neutral zone here, like I said, was is is on the other side of the centre circle, almost yeah. so that they might be near the semi-active assistant who's got no involvement at all. Yeah. But on the other side of the centre circle, there's no way they can even shout across or get anywhere near the assistant who's been involved in the decision. Yeah. But where, where you wanted me to stop, yeah. 100%, that would have been worse because the assistant had involvement and ultimately had made this decision. Yeah, no, I can take that. I can take that. And I think that's a great thing, not just for me to, to think about when I'm looking at a decision, but also I think for a lot of the referees that will be listening to this. I think... Finding the Goldilocks zone is that by the time there would have been so much space between them and the Lino that if you had to call them, number 10, come here, they don't need you, don't need you, don't need you, before he gets to you, that gives you time to keep them away at a, a long enough distance for you then to go, look, my Lino spotted the handball, I'm doing you. And I think in between both of them, with a mixture of both, you still could have control that. Yeah, that. Definitely, definitely. There is, there is, there's, plenty of safe neutral zones on that pitch that I could have used, which would have been better than where I am now, better than where I was when I blew the whistle. There's, you know, there's, there's plenty more safe zones that would be much better and would have been more effective. Well, they were in their own half ready to start with a goal, weren't they, Weymouth? So if you would have been easy to control them and said, I don't need you, I just need you. And you could have controlled him more. No, no, stay there, stay there, stay there. And he could have gone to a nice and softer area, but still had that effectiveness. But what you were always really good at is that when you were in it, the thick of the action here, because this is another thing we've talked about with confidence. Sometimes your confidence can be so high, you're never intimidated. You don't mind going in there. You know, you can handle all that, which you've proven you can handle. Look, yeah, look at him. He looks like a mass murderer to me. No <laughs> Listen to you, absolutely no problems at all. So again, finding the Goldilocks in all of this, there is good ways of doing it. There's, there's, you know, one's managed really well, but some of them you could do a much better in a, in a much better area. But nevertheless, this is another thing in your toolbox was your identification of the target of your trouble. It's him, isn't it? Not the lad you just booked. Look what no, he is. The, the, lad, the, lad who's got, the lad who's the lad who gets cautioned knows he's getting cautioned. He knows he's done it. He's just been caught. The captain hasn't seen in hand bullet. So as far as he's concerned, it's the lino's fault. Simple as that. Mm. And do you know, do you know what you said about um, going right back to the beginning about triggers and signals in warm-ups? It, we, something that I use a lot in it. I talk to all of them about finding clues in warm-ups. You know, you can find clues in warm-ups that they play with dead balls, how many free kicks to practicing and in a warm-up, knocking it, knocking it at goalkeeper, what foot the goalkeeper kicks with is always a really good thing to try and find out in a warm-up because if the ball gets played back to the goalkeeper's wrong foot, you guarantee the, goal, the, the forward's going to close him down. If it's on his right foot, the one he kicks with, then he won't close him down. So all these clues can get picked up. In this one, there's another clue about maybe how players are going to be. The captain, the aggressive one, 
is the only one that's cut his sleeves off to have short sleeves. The absolute only one on that pitch. He's, he's one of them, come on. It's just another clue that you might be able to use in your game plan at the start of a game. He's the only one that's cut off his sleeves. That's, that's why me and him got on so well, look, because I always wore short sleeves. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Pablo and ref, yeah. But it's just these penners was right in identifying like people in warm ups, and it is an opportunity warm ups to find out who these players could be a pain in the ass. They've either got the socks over the knees, no one else has, they're the loudest. Maybe the collar are up on this year when they use the loud collars. There's loads of things. Don't waste your warm up on just warming up would be a really good tip for you to use. Try and get clues of things that might help you join your game. So what else do you want to throw into here then, Tom? Well, I was just going to say, we've, we've kind of, we, we, we've chatted about the, the pointy pokey finger, but we also said, actually, in this instance, it was used to kind of sweep him back into position. So if that had been a thrusty one, like, fuck off, get back in your own half sort of thing, that would have been a bit of an issue. But as we watched it back a couple of times, you've gone, whoa, Back you go over there. Um, top draw, top draw. Yeah, lovely stuff, lovely stuff. Um, that kind of wraps up what we've been talking about this clip for the past few episodes. I just want to say that was three minutes of your game. How did the other eighty-seven go? <laughs> and we've got, we've got the, we've got three more weeks in lockdown. So, <laughs> <laughs> be honest, be honest with you, but this. Uh, sequence of events the game actually went it went really really well um come off at the end no hassle no beef no issues um both clubs were happy the observer was happy um and i ultimately came off and thought yeah you know what i've, I've done for my first game at this level i've you know i've done all right here i've, I've made a few boo-boos but overall i think i've done all right and then obviously when i watched it back then obviously I, you know, self-assessment wise then I totally hammered myself because I was thinking that's, you know, there's so many poor practices you've done here and that's not good enough. You, you know, you're not doing that again. And, you know, I think you have to be honest with yourself and, you know, when you're good, yeah, admit you're good, say you're good, but when you're not good, also be honest and say, you know, I remember going to a club, slight different story to this. I was at a level below this and I went to a club in the Southwest and I refereed and I had an absolute shocker. It was the first time I ever refereed this team. And I had, a, I had a shocker. I was awful. I literally got appointed to them three weeks later and I turned up and it's the only ground ever where I've turned up where the team have actually said, oh my God, not you again. And I was always very proud of to go into a club and a club saying, oh, hi ref, nice to see you. Oh, we're glad we've got you today. So when I turned up at this club and obviously they weren't happy to see me, I just turned around to them then. And I said, look, lads, I know what you're saying. Last time I was here, I was absolutely shocking. Um, I'll try and be better today. And they literally just stood there in shock and went, oh, okay. Oh, yeah, fair play, ref. All right, then. Yeah, just, 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 just don't be as bad as last time. I said, <laughs> I will not be as bad as last time. Luckily, they then won that game 5-1. I played two advantages for two goals, give them two penalties. They spanked the other team and they thought I was brilliant. But it's it just goes to show, you know, sometimes there's you just need to be you need to be honest. Like if someone appeals for a handball and you it, it might have been handball, but if you haven't seen it, generally just say, Look, lads, I'm sorry if it was, I didn't see it. Because there's nothing they can say if you go, Oh, sorry, lads, I didn't see it. 
You know, just be honest. Yeah. Well, listen, Penners, we wanted um, we're going to want to wrap up this clip, um, because the next episode we want to talk about the tremendous help you had from the PGMOL to your injury and when you got to a two-way referee, different kettle of fish and everything else. So I think on this clip, I did ask you about putting it on and it's really brilliant that you sort of put yourself open. There's thousands of watched watch this clip. It's been a really incredible journey during lockdown where I think all of us want to thank you for, you know, opening yourself up to us, letting us people go into this clip in the detail. A lot of people always find faults rather than the superb stuff you've done. But to have this on your first ever game at level three and it was assessed and you never folded, there's some loads of learning stuff in there, but you stayed strong and that's all about the mental resilience of a referee, which in the next episode, Nathan's going to be able to lead on it. And we'll talk about all that mental challenges you had from being injured, from getting to the top, being a, one of the best referees I've ever coached and the journey of like how where you are now and and the struggles and, and, and challenges that you overcome, but then you have to address again later in the key. So thank you for all your input on this. And on the next episodes, we'll be going through the other stuff off the game that Adam has faced during this game. So thanks for your input and thanks for your help. That was episode five of Martin. Goldilocks Show! Yeah! <laughs> <laughs>Having trouble tracking who can play and who can't? Download Down to Play before your next match. The first app to purely focus on player availability. Get Down to Play for free in the App Store and Google Play. This week's Selk podcast was brought to you by Down to Play, the simple app for next game availability.